Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. I, I, I agree, no right. I, I agree, no right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, man. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Roisin McConville, by the former Kerry footballer Brian Sheehan and by the sports editor of the Examiner Tony Lean. We'll be looking back at all four provincial finals. In particular, we'll be asking, is the Munster Football Championship finished as a serious competition? We will ask the same about the Leinster Championship and we will ask if Galway are now serious contenders to win the All-Ireland. We will also be looking at the Talchin Cup matches and we will be previewing the four qualifiers coming up next weekend as well as the next round of Talchin Cup matches. But the only place to start is Clonus yesterday. Oshin, you were there to see Derry win a first provincial championship in more than two decades and it is an extraordinary achievement by that Derry team. It's an unbelievable achievement, Paul, um, when you consider where they came from to where they are now. Uh, I think people would have, would have you guys uh, in the deep south will have a feel for the uh, for where Derry were at football-wise, um, but where Derry were at as a county, the apathy that was involved in them and what it was going to take to turn them around. And if I'm completely honest, um, I, I, I could see that there was... Footballers there, um, you know, they're very strong at club level, always have been. The club championship is one of the best in the country. Um, but I wasn't sure if this could be turned around off the field. I thought there was that much, um, it just seemed to be that much bad blood. It seemed to be that they, that off the pitch, it would be very What do you difficult. mean by bad blood? Uh, between clubs, I think, in particular. Uh, and then I think there was a real... Um, there was a real void between the players and uh, um, the players and management and, and county board level, and there's just there didn't seem to be any joined up thinking. I think some of the appointments were just appointments of um, appointments that suited that didn't really uh, take much thought, and I think it took a couple of people to grab this thing with a scruff of the neck. And uh, I played against Keir McKeever, Um when he played cornerback, he took me with a scruff of the neck a couple of times, but he also had to uh, take this Derry setup, um, and him and a number of others. I was at a Club Derry event oh, four or five years ago, and they took John Costello, and he went through you know what Dublin had done, and, and uh, there was real intent. There seemed to be real intent that night on what uh, the way forward was. But I tell, I tell you what I really liked about them. They knew that this wasn't going to be turned around in, in, in a couple of months. This knew, they knew they weren't, it wasn't going to be turned around in, uh, in a number of years. And it's taken a little bit of time. Um, and I think continuity has helped them. You know, not uh, going from what, jumping from one manager to the other. And I think the big thing about taking Galler in is there was a, a commitment for Rory Galler to, to stick it out. Um, he had a fair idea what he was dealing with uh, players-wise. But as I say, 
the player in the thing was something I wasn't really worried about. Now, if I'm honest, I wasn't sure if, he, if there was even an Ulster Championship in them, but I knew that they'd get back to uh, to challenging, and I knew to put a bit of pride back in the jersey. But it's 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 gone beyond that now. It's there's there's more to it than that, and I think it was an incredible crowd. They had incredible support yesterday. Unbelievable support, and I remember even even when Gallagher took over. Uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago, um, Armagh beat them 17-15 in Celtic Park. And it was was a very sparse crowd even at that. But momentum was built. built And and uh, I think they've seen something in this team. I think the vibes from the players is crucial. And the way that uh, Chrissy McKeague talks about what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and I just think there's a there's a whole new way of enthusiasm about dairy football, and I know that. You know, you're thinking, well, it takes a bit more than enthusiasm, and it does. It takes a, hu- a huge amount more. But they've got all those uh, crucial uh, aspects that you that you need for a team that's going forward. And there was no um, when dairy when when dairy needed the the supporters on the on the pitch yesterday. Um, they got them, you know. The, the supporters got behind them and, and and pushed them on to the to the to the next level. And it's amazing what support can do for you. And and I know the criticism that this game is getting, but yeah, what do you think of that? What do you think of that criticism? Well, I think there's two things. I think it's different when you're there. I think that's because you get caught up in a, in a lot of it. And we were right beside the supporters, and you know the supporters were living every single play. Um, I have. Um, I have garnered an acceptance of the way that uh, some teams like to set up and some teams like to play. Um, and I just, I, I think it's a. Not only is it is it different, and and we and we we should be fairly accepting of it now. We've seen this for for quite some time. Um, and I think we we tr- we went back a couple of years yesterday, in that you know it was it was very very. Rugby league stroke basketball, like in that you know, set defense 99 times out of 100. And uh, I, I actually enjoyed it, I enjoyed it because you know, it, it was it was down to the players. And did you and, really? You yeah. enjoyed the match, yeah. Do, do you know what I was? Do you know what I think? I, I, I did my best, I did my best to, to start the match just looking through it again. I think there was only one turnover in the whole match outside an opposition 50. So that is, everyone was allowed to bring the ball up the field, pass yeah. repeatedly across, across, back, back, across, and one turnover, which means there was nearly no tackling until you brought the ball inside the opposition 50. Yeah, there was that very was... little contest for the ball. Yeah, and I think, you know, Derry had, Derry had, were going to bring this, and I think it was up to Donegal to match it up. I mean, what were Donegal going to do? You know, like people are talking about how wrong Declan Bonner got it, but... What were Donegal going to do? Were they going to, um, were they going to go, you know, push? Like the only thing I would say that surprised me about the match was that Donegal weren't a lot more aggressive on the Derry kickout. Yeah, because that's the one thing that I will walk away. But I know Marty Morrissey. Marty Morrissey said in commentary that the match was brutal. Other commentators said it was boring and that it was a snore fest, and all of these words that it was just a really poor game of football. Do you, you you don't agree with that? No, I I I enjoyed the game for what it was. I suppose there's two things you have to uh, if you go expecting 
you know, if the, if if Marty and the boys were going and they were expecting um, this to be uh, Kerry versus Limerick or Dublin versus Galera, that was never going to happen. Absolutely, one hundred percent was never going to happen. So, so what you've done is um, you you better get the Brian Sheehan quickly because he's getting he looks very agitated. But I'll, I'll leave it on this, okay? Um, I much rather w- watch what I watched in in also yesterday than what I watched down the country. Brian. I'm going to ask you, did you enjoy the match? Absolutely not. I, um, it was hard to watch. It was absolutely, I thought, of, to be honest, it was stages where I kind of left the game because I was getting so frustrated with it. I said to myself, you know, we, we talk about, and we, we'll, we'll tip on it later on, paying for, to go watch a game of football and you go to watch two teams sit back, hand pass the ball over and back, and I just stood to myself, I know, I know I'm probably talking a bit like Pascal um, Hand with his comments a couple of years ago, but this did nothing for football. Um, I can understand Rory Gallagher. You're coming into a team with Derry, taking over Derry, where they've come from, and he has got to do what he's got to do to win an Ulster title. And fair play to him, he's done it. He's, he's gone the hard route. He, he knocked out the big teams to go on, on route. And he probably had to go down that line of football. But I'm surprised at Donegal, and I agree with you to a certain degree, Oshin. If, if you're coming up against the likes of Derry, who you know are going to be defensive, you, you can't just turn around and say, right, we're going to full-court press because you know that they're going to catch you on the counter-attack. You know that they're going to be open at the back then, and, and that's what they want to do. But at the same time, I just think Donegal, for all the footballers they have on paper, they look so good. They've always been knocking around as as we're kind of saying, are Ireland contenders, but they never seem to produce on the big day when they have to. And again, I just think it came down to it. When you have the footballers that Donegal have, I just don't see why they just don't start going more direct with the ball or, or at least try and start breaking a line and kicking scores from 30, 40 yards. Because when you're playing defensive teams, you have to have kickers that can kick from 30, 40 yards. And I think Donegal have those players. Like, you see Michael Murphy kick a fantastic score yesterday in the second half of the outside of his boot from 45 yards. I don't, yeah. don't see why they don't have a couple more players and, and give them license to do that. Even if you have, you do miss them or you do kind of drop them short, you still have enough bodies between the ball and your own goal to retreat if you need to. But I'm just surprised that Donegal, they weren't a bit more aggressive of going at the game. I thought that they probably played into Derry's hands a bit too much by doing it. But uh, look, just as, as football as a whole... Um, it was a hard watch. It was a very hard watch. Um, very little kick passing, all hand passing. Tempo of the game was slow, but I can see where Derry were coming from and I can see why Rory had to do it. But again, I, I'm looking here now, I say both teams head into an all earning series. Is that football going to seriously win an all earning for any of those teams? Not a hope, not a prayer. But they weren't trying to win in all Ireland yesterday. That's the only thing. And, well, yeah, I can understand and, that. And, and, there, I, yeah. I, and I would say that that Derry have been have played a little bit more open than they did yesterday. I mean, yesterday was you know extremely defensive. I agree with that. Donegal, you know, put one ball into if you remember in the fo- in the first half, put one ball into Caelan McGonagall, who was in the edge of the square, and a complete mismatch with Benny Hearn. And uh, he should have caught the ball. He well, he had time to turn stick in the net, and he chose to flick it. And, and they're the sort of little small bits that keep a, a defence honest. And, it, and 
don't you're right, hundred percent right. Donegal didn't do that as as much. If if we're gonna if we're gonna analyze the game, if you're gonna if you want to analyze the game, Paul, as opposed to just dismissing it because it was a bit defensive and you didn't really like what you were watching, tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like many many other sporting events, right at the at the at that are right at the edge, um, disappoint you a little bit. That's okay if it disappointed you a little bit, but you still have to you still have to look into it and you still have to analyze it. And, I, and I, I agree with that. Do you see the promo? Do you see the promo for this podcast when Paddy says it's a grain of rice is going to tip the scales? That's the way it felt yesterday, and that's how on the edge it was, and that's how every time somebody give a ball away or kick the wide or drop the ball short, it was like the end of the world, and uh, and and and. and Players are under such a microscope whenever they're doing that, and I just thought, for those reasons, uh, it was. I just thought it was enthralling. Was do, do you know? Do you know what? I seen. I seen. You're a marketing genius if you describe that match yesterday as a bit defensive. That's a. That's a fair statement. Of, <laughs> that's a fair statement of going. And I do take the. I do take the point that if it's totally different experience if you're there, and and it's it's. It's enthralling. There was commentary on the telly, and I listened to it on the radio as well, about how quiet it was around the ground. Is that because it was a grip of tension in it or because there was actually nothing to cheer about? Well, the difficulty with these games, there's a couple of difficulties with these games, but the major difficulty is that uh, supporters find it very difficult to get involved. Very difficult to get involved because it's not end to end and there's, there's big breaks, you know, Teams were keeping possession for roughly, probably on average, about two, two and a half minutes. Yeah, two to two and a half minutes per possession. Yeah, yeah to, in order to get a shot off. So uh, there's that, but it was it was it was tension because there were so I think Derry supporters who seemed outnumbered Donegal probably about two to one, three to one, maybe I don't know. Um, seemed to be really on edge, and as I say, just every little uh, mistake. Seemed to be just completely magnified in the in the cauldron that was uh, that was cloned. Can I can I ask you a question about that? And if we talk about the game tactically, then, and if we talk about how Donegal might have gone about this differently, should Donegal have left three forwards up? Just said, right, Derry, you want to bring the ball up, you want to you want to soak it. Why don't we leave three forwards up? They they could have done. I just think that that leaves them a little, that leaves a lot more space in your defence, and I think. I said this yesterday. I don't think Donegal's set defence is as good as as Derry's. I don't think it has been for some time. I think since they got away from playing ultra defensive football and tried to express themselves a little bit more, there was a there was a a, a cost, a price to pay for that, and the price to pay was that the defence is not as good as good as it has been, and that's why they coughed up the the crucial goal in the first half. Um, so. They, they, I think the, the, there's a couple of ways they could have gone about it differently. I think, and the one, the one for me which stood out for me was more aggressive on the Derry kickout, and there was no honesty in the in the Derry defence because they didn't have to be one hay ball into the full four yeah. lane, and that was it. And I'm not advocating you hoofing the ball in on top of somebody, but sometimes it takes something like that in order for, like if you look at the Armagh game, like they kicked the ball a hell of a lot more. But they're just so afraid of giving up the ball, so afraid of coughing up the ball because they felt Derry were very good on the on the counter attack. Or um, if they if they created a turnover in certain areas of the field, like you know they were hard scared that they were gonna 
uh, concede another goal. Brian, when you played against Donegal, when Kerry set up for Donegal in the 2014 All-Ireland final, Kerry were very defensive that day. We weren't, Paul. This is a couple of things that people have said, comments after that game. Our tactics that day were not defensive. But what we did do was we held our two halfbacks and said, you're not to go up the field. Because we knew what Donegal wanted. Donegal wanted to draw us on them, turn it over, and they'd break into space. And with the forwards they had with, with likes of uh, McFadden and McBur- when McBurty, I think Donny came on that, that day. But we knew that this is what they wanted. But yeah. we didn't go defensive. But our, our game plan that time was that we held Peter Crowley and Killian Young on the half-back line. I said, lad, you're not to go outside the 65-yard line. And when the ball was turned over, you're to retreat to the 45, tuck in nice and tight. For run- and we knew that there were runners coming. And they were to pick up runners that broke out. We put Paul Murphy after Ryan McHugh, and that was his job for the day. Because we knew he, how dangerous he was getting on ball and breaking. And we gave license to the top six forwards and the two midfielders to tackle like hell. And that was it. And you find when you're tackling and you and you have runners, you, you just track your runners. You have to track them. You can't just afford to let them off. And that was the only way defensive we did. And it, we didn't turn around and head for home. And, and say, Donegal, right, come and let, let's see where you are. We simply just held our two halfbacks to pick up runners, and we gave the license to the six, eight fellas up top then to, to tackle like hell, and obviously track your runners. The big thing for us was not to let runners go. Do not let Rory Kavanagh come from deep. Do not let Carl Lacey come from deep. Do not let, um, I don't know who else was there at the time, come from deep on runs. So the, the key was track your runners, and we had the safety net of our two halfbacks that if Donegal wanted to go along, that there was two fellas sitting in front of, of the Donegal for forward line, that they couldn't afford to kick it early, that the ball was going to be swallowed up. And number two, we had runners. We had two safety nets that if a runner escaped, they were at least being able to be picked up. So I, I don't buy into the fact that we went defensive. I just think we got our tactics right um, on the day. And we did something similar to Cork, but on the Munster final as well. Um, I think we sent the Paul Murphy after Paul Carrigan as well. Uh, that day, blown Parky Cueve, and we we held Killian Young and um, and Peter Murphy, or, uh, Peter Crowley in the half back line, um, and this has kind of worked out. Declan Sullivan spent most of his day back there for some reason. Uh, had a fantastic day, and that wasn't the plan, but he kind of went back there as a, and another sweeper. But we just held him, and we just stopped him pushing up the field and leaving forty yards of space in front of the full back line. It just meant that if if a team broke and turned over the ball, there was no kick pass to catch you on on, on the counter attack. And plus, it allowed them fellas to pick up any runners that came. But um, I not Oshina's got a smiley here now <laughs> and saying, "What's the difference?" But uh, like, it, it uh, was made, we, we we were doing a full core press from the point of view of pushing up and tackling high up the field, knowing that we had a safety net of of, of some to pick up a runner behind us. So am I getting this right? You weren't defensive; you just kept a lot of players back. We kept two players back. <laughs> we kept two backs in the backs. We kept two half backs in the half back position. We didn't start dropping forwards. We didn't start dropping midfielders. We kept our two halfbacks sitting and told them there's no point. We don't need you up the field. I'm going to watch that game again. Who? I, I, I think Tony. I'm going to ask you a question in a second, but I think there's. A, I think the issue here though is how many players are kept up the field and where you meet the opposition coming with the ball and whether you're letting the team just pass a forward in front of you. I think that's what changes the nature nature of the game. Tony, you were at the Munster football final. People can say what they want about the Ulster about the Ulster final, but in terms of in terms of spectacles, it was better than the Munster football final. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, and that's a very interesting debate um, in terms of two very contrasting uh, viewpoints between um, Brian and Oshin. Uh, I mean, I'm going to shock Oshin to the point of him falling off his chair now to say that I, I actually buy into quite a lot of what he's saying because, like, there's no cut and paste template to football or the football championship. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's the first thing. Um, everybody brings a different style. Everybody brings a different plan to win. Um, I think what Oshin said there is absolutely correct. Uh, Rory Gallagher didn't go out yesterday to A, please people, or B, win an All-Ireland football championship. He went out yesterday to win a first provincial title for Derry in 24 years. And if... I or Oshin or Brian or anybody else is on that sideline, then you are going to play with the players. You are going to play with the plan that you think is going to get you over the line. I mean, ultimately, football and most sports, but particularly where we are in this debate, comes down to do you want to more do you want to score more or do you want to concede less than the opposition? And if you're down in Kerry, you go out with a plan to score more than the opposition. If you're Rory Gallagher this weekend, you're probably going with a plan of we're going to concede less. I mean, the basketball comparison is very apt. I don't know which one of the lads actually uh, introduced it there. But in terms of, of his own defence, that is exactly what you were looking at yesterday, except you're multiplying five players by three and you're talking about a 15-man zone defence. And you're right, aesthetically, it doesn't look the best. It's not... Something, as you say, that you sit down engrossed in for 70 minutes. But there is, well, certainly for the likes of myself, there is a fascination there in terms of how Derry go about it and how Donegal tried to break it. And ultimately, Derry didn't do that. Um, just before we move on to Munster, Paul, one question, which I, I, I don't know the background. I know Kieran Thompson Oshin didn't start, came on very late in the day, uh, kicked a score. And he's obviously, anytime I've seen Kieran Thompson, he's very renowned for his ability to score. Now, if you're, if, again, going back to our basketball analogy, if you're actually playing against his own uh, defence, I mean, what you are relying on is your three-point shooters. Uh, you bring that into football, you are relying on your point scorers from outside the arc. You mentioned Michael Murphy, Brian. I would have thought Kieran Thompson was one of those. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, proved it when he came on, kicked a good score. I'm just wondering, A, was he injured, Oshin, or B, why wasn't he actually introduced earlier? Yeah, no, we questioned that uh, yesterday, Tony, and we got no information that he was injured, so we just presumed it was a, it was a tactical switch. And I, I thought Mogan definitely should have started. Uh, I, was, I was okay with Thompson maybe not playing, but I, I definitely thought shortly after halftime they'd probably bring him on. And the way the game was developing, I thought definitely uh, he'd see a lot more game time than he did. I don't think he came on to the actually like the eighty first minute was it? Eighty eight minutes he came on. Yeah, eighty eight minutes. So, like uh, you know, he, he definitely, as I say, we weren't told he was he was injured, but like there has to be something in it because like he actually his form was actually quite good through the early rounds as well. So and he played a good bit of league football. Um, in fact, he was never present. I think uh, during the league, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. But it seemed like a strange one because, as you say, that's exactly what they needed. Even you look at the Emmett Bradley, even just the score that he kicked uh, and the general influence he had on the game. 
and and I would say that they are very like for like both of those guys. Yeah, so, Paul, if you're asking me, did I enjoy the Kerry Limerick game or the Derry um, Donegal game more? This is the bit where Oshin falls off the seat. Like I actually, sorry, I wouldn't say I enjoyed. I was more intrigued. I was more engaged by the Ulster final because the the Munster final, unfortunately, was well, it panned out exactly as we feared it would pan out. Um, you know, I mean, Kerry have beaten Cork and Limerick by a combined total of thirty four points in the Munster Championship, and when I use the word championship there. I even almost hesitate and lower my voice because, you know, that's not championship. I mean, that's McGrath Cup. Um, unfortunately, um, like, and this is the irony, and this is why I'm supposing, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm with the Oshin to some degree. I'm not really certain that myself or Brian, where we're located, can actually really be throwing darts at anything that's happening in Ulster when we are involved in basically a joke shop of a championship in Munster. Um, and it's not going to get any better anytime soon. And I mean, I did a piece the weekend and I said, if the, if the best case that people can make for the Munster championship and particularly people in Cork is, oh, well, you know, we caught you in 2020 and you know that they'll rise up and bite Kerry and catch Kerry once every five or six or 10 years, then that's really even making a more eloquent case for a change in format for me. Kerry are in a football championship with five other counties who prioritise hurling. hurling Isn't correct. that the bottom line? Correct. And those yeah. five hurling counties, if we call a spade a spade here, have no regard for Kerry hurling. Because if they had regard for Kerry hurling, they wouldn't be making the Kerry hurlers play a qualifier if they win the Joe McDonough next week. So that's, that's, where, that's where Munster stands as a provincial council. And it's a bankrupt championship. Is that fair, Tony? Yeah. Unfortunately, you've just made my argument for me and you even drafted in nicely the way that the Kerry Hurlers are treated. So, um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, that's a debate for another forum in terms of where the Kerry Hurlers are at and what they have to do and, and the efforts that are being made. But I would argue, and I can state it as fact, obviously, because I don't know what goes on promotion-wise in the other counties, I do certainly know, and Brian would support this, that there is a big effort being made for Harling and Kerry. Um, and they're they're getting closer and they're getting closer and they need things incentivized. I'm just wondering in terms of Munster football. I mean, you know, watching the tip footballers being bet by Carlo um, yesterday in the, in the Talton Cup is not good. Um, not good at all. So there is, there is no future. There is no future in the Munster Football Championship. So when there's no future in something, you've got to look at alternatives. And that, Paul, was my frustration that you and I discussed about yesterday for the fact that six months ago, seven months ago, whatever it was, there was a glorious opportunity for Munster to do something about this. And nobody, by the way, can be looking at other counties and said, oh, well, we were only six counties. The vote went against us. Kerry voted against the the shall we call it, what, I don't know what colour option, I think they tried to make it the red option in the end, but it was the one of having a spring provincial series and turning the league into the summer championship. Kerry voted against that. So Kerry aren't in any position, by the way, to be bitching about this this morning either. Yeah. 
Yeah, those were the color-coded ones where the subliminal message of red, we're not yeah. going to vote for the red one. There we might go. vote for the green oh, one. There How you do you do this? Uh, Brian, when will Kerry next be beaten in the Munster Football Championship? God knows, because uh, to be honest with you, and I don't, this is, isn't mean to be disrespectful to any of the other county players or inter-county players that are out there, but you could probably put the pick of Munster against Kerry and I don't think they'd beat them for the next while because as Tony just said, it's 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 not looking good. Like even when we're looking off when I when I was going through in the mid nineties, you had a fantastic Cork side. I think Cork had only lost to Kerry, or Cork had only been beaten by one other county team in five years, and that was Kerry. Either Munster final, Munster semi final, All Ireland semi final final. But that was very good for Kerry because we were we were battle hard and got into an All Ireland quarter final, All Ireland semi final. Um, Clare came. In fairness to Clare, they're in Division Two plugging away, but at the same time, they came to Clarny a couple of years ago and, and Kerry put up 30 points in it. Um, and as Tony just said to there, there's no incentive being made by anywhere in the Munster Council to help football in Munster. And as you say, it's predominantly hurling. The hurling championship is is off the wall because you could pick out of a hat who, who could win it. And I think they're happy enough for that. But football, it's it's look, it's done. And it's it's fine for me, and you know, even when you were a player, you had to give it respect. You had to give it because you knew you were coming up against other teams. And look, we got a couple of frights. We went up to to Ennis, and I think we got a bad fright in 2014. I think we only kicked down with 10, 15 minutes to go. I think we got a couple of scores to pull away and won by four or five points in the end. I think we played above in Torles another year, and again similar circumstances. The last maybe 10 minutes before we we seemed to put on a few points. Now, and that does happen, but over the last four or five years, the gap has just got wider and wider. And you see where Tipperary are down to Division 4, losing to Carlo. You see Limerick have made strides, yes, but you see the difference in where Limerick are compared to where Kerry are. You know, are Limerick going to stay in Division 2 next year? I mean, just, don't think they are. You know, Clare have been fighting up there in Division 2, but again, when it comes down to this, um, they're just not going to put a hand on Kerry. And unfortunately, that's just the, the difference in golf there is in Munster. And is it good, any good to anyone? I, I don't think it is. It's definitely not good to Kerry because Kerry are going to Crow Park in a couple or sorry, they have a quarter final Four in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. And they don't know where they stand. I mean, the last competitive game Kerry have played, uh, it's it's a league game. I think probably Tyrone inside in Killarney or possibly Mayo inside in Tralee on in a bad night. That, that's Kerry having a clue where they're at the moment. I take some crumb of comfort, Paul, if I was hearing Munster GA officials jumping up and down, you know, saying, listen, we need something better. But unfortunately, the Munster Hurling Championship is the fig leaf that they can use to make sure that, you know, I mean, ultimately, we talk, you individualised it there a while ago, Paul, with the counties. But if you want to actually broaden it out, Munster is a hurling province. And unfortunately, that serves Kerry very, very poorly, um, you know, once they actually get outside the province. But, Tony, this, the same problem is, is in, in Leinster. I mean, it is, but not quite to the same degree, Brian. Not quite, I mean, there's, there is, you know, there, there's Kildare, there is Mead. There is something there. Um, but maybe all, it's just the fact but, that there's more counties there but but they're all at the same level they're all playing at the same level compared to where Dublin and Kerry are like if you're being realistic about it mm. and then let's call a spade a spade every year when you go to say who's going to win the All-Ireland you will probably come up with four teams you've got Kerry, Dublin, Tyrone and possibly Mayo Galway now at the moment see where you're at 
Yeah. And, and that's for football, is it, at the moment? If you go back over the last number of years, who has won the All-Ireland? Go back the last couple of years. You've had Kerry Dublin winning most of them, and you've had Tyrone Cork win 1010 and Donegal 2012. Yeah, I think that's a different conversation, though, Brian. I mean, you know, that's like saying, you know, Liverpool and Real Madrid, uh, you know, win most of the Champions League. Oh, it's, part of, it's part of the same conversation, though, Tony, because... Yeah, you know, it, it is, but I'm just saying it's, it's tough to say that if you're listening to that above an Ulster ball, where, again, no more... No more than the Munster foot or hurling championship. You could pick a name out of a hat every year. It's Derry this year, Donegal, it's Tyrone, it's Armagh on the rise. I mean, there is some vibrant, sorry, there is a lot of vibrancy in the Ulster football championship. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying I, I, we, we all agree that there is a big issue and a big problem with the football championship, but it's not like that the problem is the same across the provinces. Ulster yeah, yeah. and Connacht have vibrant enough championships. Mm -hmm. Leinster is next, but Munster is just at a pathetic stage. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel not uncomfortable. I was writing this piece yesterday morning and I thought to myself, this isn't, I don't want people to think this is jumping on a bandwagon because this is something, and again, Brian knows this, this is something that's irritated people down this part for a long, long time. And it's only when Cork actually come with something for a sustained period that the argument actually settles down again. I, I Again, I just have this view that Munster football is dying and the championship is dead and there's nobody actually jumping up and down in the province and saying, what are we going to do about it? And you would expect Kerry to take the lead in that regard. And that's what disappointed me so much for the way they voted at Special Congress. I... I, I Oshin... Well, just, uh, I think I think we we are a, a huge problem. Ulster is a huge problem in that we have a vibrant championship. Um, Tony's one hundred percent right with that. I really enjoyed the Ulster championship this year, and to be honest, there was a lot of games that you know probably didn't live up to expectation, but there was still something about it, and there's still something about being there. And as I say, that probably makes things slightly different. But if you want to become a pariah in your own own province. Then do what I do what I did and just and just say like like the Ulster Chairman just because the Ulster Championship is is striving, I mean does that mean that everybody else in the country has to suffer as a result of it? I mean there ha there's going to have to be a sacrificial lamb somewhere along the lane, and the Ulster Championship is is exactly that. And I think if we want proper change and we want to really change things, um, I I would have said we we have to be more progressive. We have to be more. Um, Directing what what we what we what our expectations are if we don't change the provincial championships if we continue on with the provincial championships in the in the current gaze, then the whole championship is destined. We're going to have these weekends like we had at the weekend, and I think, um, as I say, even if you even come to, coming down to getting a nice parking spot at, at an Ulster championship, if you want to if you want to give out of it the Ulster championship, that's not a good way of doing doing it, but. The thing about 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 Ulster and then you in comparison to the rest of the country, it's just not comparable. And uh, and unfortunately, as I say, something is going to have to give, and I think that's the one thing that's going to have to give. We we'll go back to Tony's point, you know, about Kerry voting against it, and then you talk about you know how how um, vociferous uh, Ulster were about the fact that they didn't want change and the fact that they wanted to hold on to what they had, and I think. Some of that, at the end of the day, we can we can we can see what we like. A lot of that comes down to finances. 
Ulster yeah. 29,500 people and and, yeah. the, and that's helping run you know coaching and games and all those all those things and I think unless that is addressed and redressed before we go into something um, a bit more radical put it like that it, it'll have to be seriously radical in order to change this I, I think there is there's there's one team in Munster, there's one team in Leinster, there are three teams who can win the Connacht Championship and probably five, arguably six on a given day who can win in Ulster. And that's the difference between the competitive championship and another and other issues. Brian, I want to ask you though, if you were true on goal in the second half or even in the first half yesterday against Limerick and you had a chance of sticking a goal, would you have fisted the ball over the bar? No. Definitely not. Um, no, like I, mean, I, I don't buy into this. Like I mean, the game was over. Like the first half yesterday, the game wasn't over for Kerry. I mean, especially early on, they had goal chances and uh, they didn't take them. You know, Paul gained a chance in the second half, went through one and one, missed it. Um, I'm not going to buy into. Look at Dublin. Dublin racked up five goals against Kildare just like that. And yes, the game was over, but they had that cutting edge about them to do it. And and I suppose I'm I'm coming from the from the line of yeah, score your four or five goals and then if you want to start putting the ball over the bar, put the ball over the bar. But uh, especially for for Kerry at the moment, they're they're kind of struggling for goals, small bit, and then you, you had the opportunities there. For some reason, they never kind of cropped up against against Cork. But yesterday, there was a lot of opportunities for Kerry. Kerry should have had probably five goals yesterday, and they didn't. And my fear is that when they come into an All Ireland quarter final, if they get one of the big teams, or they go to Crow Park. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they haven't been banging the back of the net. And all of a sudden, you know that that bit of a killer instinct, that that stuff that that automatically just happens when you're rolling goals. You know, fellas starting to force it, fellas start questioning themselves. That killer instinct is, is is not there, and that's the one fear I have with Kerry. I I would like to have seen Kerry put in two or three, maybe two or three more goals yesterday, and then if they wanted to throw the ball over the bar, put the ball over the bar. But that killer instinct, you don't. That doesn't. Flick a switch and come to an All Ireland semi-final, All Ireland final, and I think if you look at Kerry, even the last two championships that they've lost to Tyrone, they've conceded goals and they haven't scored on the other end. Now I know Kerry at the moment have stopped conceding goals, but I still think you need to score one or two goals about on the other side. I think if Kerry can find that, they'll be hard to beat. So I think at the moment. But no, look, Paul. If I can, I read you. Can I read you what Billy? I want to read you what Billy Lee said after the game. The Limerick manager. He said, "What I would say about Kerry, they're always respectful of the opposition. They could have kicked another couple of goals today, and they took points. I've always known that about Kerry. They don't tattoo a team when they have them beat. They're respectful, and that's not unnoticed." Look, I, I don't know. It's, it's never been said to me inside the dressing room. Throw the ball over the bar. I think the players take that upon themselves. At a stage in the game where you know the game is over, but would you have had the tattoo and ink out, Hoshin? You got to think about your stats, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's actually more respectful. It's more respectful if you if you have a team on the um, on the end of the lane and you finish them off. I think that's more respectful than tipping the ball over the bar. I think that's more patronising, to be honest. Right, you have you have another lads, lads. They didn't stop no, because they didn't need go. I mean, they didn't need goals to actually put the game to bed. I mean, you know, they were their their points tally was in the mid twenties. I I don't think I think Brian is correct in one thing. I don't think Jack O'Connor said to the boys, "Stop, don't don't go for any goals, lads," because there was they still created 
plenty of goal situations. Um, like Sean O'Shea had a couple of situations. Paul Ganey. I mean, Paul Ganey actually like missed a chance for a goal. It isn't that he didn't take the chance for the goal. I mean, he actually hit it straight at the keeper. I don't think that was an issue on Saturday. But I do think, um, and you know this, Brian, I do think goal scoring has been a bit of a problem in the last couple of years for this Kerry team. And you're right. I, I don't know which one of you mentioned it earlier, like the Tyrone semi-final last year. You know, even the score, I'm remembering the score off my head now. Was it 314 to 23 or two points? It was a classic. Kerry were the better side, scored 23 times, but ultimately ended up losing the game. And you both all remember it's because they were in goal scoring situations. They botched botched the miss of the century between Stephen O'Brien and Paul Ganey. In the second half, Sean O'Shea and David Clifford, well, Sean, he actually passed the ball too quickly for Clifford when he should have batted it into the net. So there is an issue there. It's not like that there isn't an issue there. But and that's what I, I was like saying, it. Tony, that that's, yes, there was examples where they could have done that, where they could have started putting the finishing touches to those moves. And if we're not doing it, it's, it's the same thing in training. If you're not inside in training and doing what you need to do in training, you, you're not going to go out in the field in the day of the game and, and produce the goods. You can't just flick a switch and say, right, we're going to go for goals today and we're going to start sticking them. That, yeah. that, that, that bit of know-how, that killer instinct doesn't just, you know, doesn't come. You have to be doing that inside the training. They were playing the last day where they should have been able to finish off those moves. You go to Crow Park then, and that just happens. It just instinctively happens. You know where a fella is. You know when to give the ball. It, it's just, it happens. But if you're not doing it, it's very hard to flick a switch then in, in, in an All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah, I mean, that's, look, that's, where, that's where I'm coming from, just from that side. Look, this, respectful of the score of Limerick or whatever it was, I mean, I, I see Dublin five goals in the first half the last day. I can understand in the second half that there's no point going for goals here. The game is over. Let's just see it out. But I, I just think where Kerry are coming from at the moment with the difficulty they're having, I wouldn't say difficulty, but they're just not putting putting away goals. I think when the opportunity arises, you start doing it and hopefully then that'll take you. You take that with you going into Crawford. Did Dublin, did Dublin make you nervous on, on, on Saturday, Brian? Absolutely. You know, they're the Dublin of old. Like, and I, I seriously go back to that. I think he, this was one of the best footballers in the country, Conor Callan. Like, he was the focal point for Dublin. He was playing deep in front of the goal. The D was open in front of him. We'll go back to that issue about, about, about Kildare, how naive they were. But for me, he was everything about him. He was sharp. He was winning ball. He was slipping players in. Players were running off him. Um... For me, they really look like the Dublin of old, and I think Dublin looked angry yesterday or on um, Saturday evening. I think there was a case of the narrative that was out there about them being written off so quickly. I think they, they just looked like a team that were angry, um, especially in the first half. They had a point to prove. They looked like the Dublin of old to me. They were quick, they were aggressive, they, they were they, that killer instinct they had again, and I suppose that killer instinct we're talking about. There was a couple of goal chances, and they just stuck them, and they put Kildare over the side right away, and. You know, I, I know the last time we spoke here, Paul, when we were talking about our learning contenders after the league, I think O'Sheen myself didn't pick Dublin and you kind of threw it in there that no one has picked Dublin. Um and I think that's probably I, I going think off I the picked farm. them, Brian. You did, I think you did, Paul. Um but I think look that's probably going off farm, but yeah. I mean look we, we weren't right enough Dublin and I certainly wasn't right enough Dublin, but I couldn't see the farm that they were having the league, but the turnaround they've had uh, yeah. since then. And I think the big thing is they've keep players back. 
you know, I know Daisy was trying to load a few players. He was trying to find a few players in the league. But at the end of the day, he's got his main players back. Connor's back. James McCarthy is back. Um, Martin was back again in the full back line yesterday or the weekend. Yeah. You know, he's decisive runs up the field, ball carrying. Um, you know, Cost- Cormac Costello was back. There were big players that were missing during the league. And, uh, you know, I suppose they just didn't have them. And I suppose what they were bringing off the bench wasn't quite good enough. Um, look, they were off the pace. I think they were kind of, I don't know what kind of training was going on and what way they were. They, they, they weren't at the pitch for the league, but whatever they did between the league and, and, and championship, they're, they're, they're back up there again. And look, you couldn't write them off. You have to be impressed with them. And they're, they're going to take a hell of a team to beat them. I was saying, Brian, that I, I met a couple of Dublin players a couple of weeks ago and they looked incredibly fit this year compared to seeing those same players the previous year. They look sharp. They look... look and Oshin, Oshin, the word that um, Eamon Fitzmaurice used in co-commentary on Saturday was was urgency. They have an urgency about them again. Yeah, they looked as if they have a... You know what? I said I've seen it. Uh, I think we started to see it around maybe the Kildare League game. Yeah. Did they start to think a little bit more about it as far as what uh, way they were defensively? Um, a little bit more protection for our defense. Um, and yet I still I still watched the game and I was very impressed with them and uh and yes they're they're back to to where they were and and they're rootless and I still I still walked away thinking a better forward lane would do an awful lot of damage to that to that Dublin defence the way the way they are right now. So, still a huge amount of gaps and spaces. But look, at, if this is a if this is a, a step by step thing with with Dublin, and they're just going to keep improving, then yeah, uh, them and Kerry is going to be going to be some ma- some game if that's inevitably what uh, happens down the lane. But I think uh, if I was thinking of uh, and uh, you know me, I'm not completely gone on Kerry either, but. Uh, but uh, I think if 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 Kerry and Dublin play tomorrow, uh, I'd I'd fancy Kerry to give them an awful lot of trouble up up front. Would you fancy Kerry to beat them? Yeah. You think Kerry will beat Dublin? Yeah. Yeah. Brian, sorry, Paul. Talking about shape, uh, we may not. I mean, we may not get to that game. Kerry's most dangerous game this season is their next one. No, I mean, you can shake your head all you want, Paul. You, you've just spent 15 minutes talking about how rubbish the Munster Championship is and the fact that Kerry haven't had a competitive game in four months. And they are going to walk into a combine harvester of a quarterfinal because the, with the number of quality sides that are gone the qualifier route, whatever way the draw pans out, the cream is going to come. So you are going to have a Donegal, a Tyrone, an Armagh, a Mayo, whoever lining up against Kerry, who have had no proper game. And Brian said something earlier, which I mentioned myself in passing um, in the paper. Um, and I think it's more significant, a lot more significant than people are giving any credence to. Kerry, when it comes to championship time, never play challenge games. Never. I don't know, Brian, you go back with how many managers. I don't know the last manager who actually took challenge games at the business end, or certainly in terms of the Munster Championship, because the view always was, arrogant or not, the view always was that Kerry would get better at games in AVB behind closed doors. And every time, the week, Brian will attest to this, the week before a provincial final, the Saturday before, every time, whether it was in FOTA, 
or Killarney or wherever, Kerry played a no-holds-barred AVB game. At this time, Jack has decided to go to play Roscommon. He told us he's probably going to go for another challenge game. That underlines how scared Kerry are of what's coming down the track. Not the opposition, but in the, fa- the fear of them being undercooked. So in terms of a Kerry-Dublin semi-final, it isn't being the era cuteness to say Kerry can't look beyond the quarterfinal first mm. because they really can't. To- to- Tony, is it is it a bigger problem if if they get another if they get a soft quarterfinal? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Um, absolutely. It, like, who did I hear saying it? Was it Colin Cooper on TV last night? I saw some Kerry person say it in the last twenty four hours that they're actually hoping for a tough draw. And they need to roll the dice. The mm. Kerry need uh, a Tyrone, an Armagh, a Donegal, a Mayo in the All-Ireland quarterfinal. Now. Okay. That is the only preparation that will suffice for them to play a Dublin in the All-Ireland. But presumably the same logic applies to Dublin, who yeah. haven't had a game, haven't had a meaningful game since the league either. It, it does. And I bet you if Des, Desi Farrell was sitting here on the podcast this morning, he'd agree, Paul, 100% with you. Dublin played Armagh, Oshin, is that right? Dublin played Armagh in a challenge game. I don't know how many. I think that was very soon after Armagh were beaten. So I'm not sure how many uh, Armagh first-team players. It might have been more uh, fringe players for both Dublin and uh, Armagh to give them some sort of game. But I think it was feisty. Is the, the draw, Paul, I think, for the qualifiers is next Monday morning. Yeah, after the round next week, we'll be talking about yeah, the round Yeah, because uh, if... If I was Jack O'Connor and Kerry avoided Donegal in the quarterfinal draw, I would be picking up the phone straight away to Declan Bonner and saying, let's get down to Tullamore and Mullingar. Let's play a game. Because at this stage, you know, the type of opposition you can play obviously is trickier and depends on the draw. But I, I, I think I, I do not think Kerry can go into an All-Ireland quarterfinal without having their pulse tested. Well, as you said, Tony, Jack even said this in the interview after the game. He's, he's going to be looking for another challenge game and they have to because, you know, it was the one thing, I think, when, when we were coming around to the this this uh, Super 8s uh, about voting whether we go for it or not, straight away, Kerry said, yeah, we need it. We have to. We need games because it's just you, you're going into an All-Ireland semi-final and you haven't a clue where you're at because you just haven't had a competitive game as you said, coming through. And like that, I think Kerry need, as you said, you're dead right. Look, they need one of the best teams. They need one of the strongest teams coming off the back of a good uh, campaign of the qualifiers down inside in Killarney. Lucky enough now to carry inside in Killarney. If you're going away to, to an opposition's ground or a neutral venue, different story. But you're coming to your hometown. I, I, it's it's opportunity for Kerry that they need. And I hope that they do get as you say, one of those big teams because it, it's the only way that you're going to find. And if they get beaten, you say, well, there you go. That's the problem. There you go. You're not good enough to win the All-Ireland because there you are. But I still think they need one of those games before they go into an Ireland semi-final. There's a fairly sardonic comment here being made by Larry Ryan, the producer of this podcast, who said, yeah, it'd be a disaster altogether if Kerry got a soft semi-final and final as well as a cup final. Which is there's a little bit of tip bitterness after the weekend in that comment, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, like geographically and politically, the Munster Championship has cut Kerry adrift from the rest of the country. And I, I, like the sooner 
we can get to 2023. It's not the format that I would have chosen. It's the classic halfway house situation. Paul, you know that. Yeah, yeah. They could have, yeah. Gone, they could have gone the whole hog and gone with it. They didn't. But look, half a loaf is better than et cetera, et cetera. You know, at least Kerry and Jack will be guaranteed, presuming that they don't get caught in Munster, that they will be guaranteed three, four quality games in the All-Ireland phase next year. But, you know, it's going on. There's been one All-Ireland one in Kerry in the last, what what do you say, Brian? 13, 12 14, years? 14, yeah. Yeah, 2014. Uh, when Kerry went 96, uh, sorry, 86 to 97, that was only 11 years, and that was described as the greatest famine in in, in their history. And I know that gets up the nose uh, of the likes of Oshin and people, you know, who are saying, like, you know, pity about you. But the bottom line is Kerry should only be interested in what's best for Kerry football, and they should be voting for what's best for Kerry football. And 83 Munster titles. Kerry won their 83rd Munster title. <laughs> Limerick haven't won a Munster final since 1896. The rest of the counties have less than two-thirds of Kerry's titles between them. It's a shambles. Like It just does not work, and it cannot work. And But we're going to have a training module. We're going to take a week, and we're going to explain the plan for next year's championship at some time in the autumn. Yeah. We're and going to bring everyone together. And one other kicker just from the weekend, and I know because I, I, I did it for my two daughters. I'm open to correction on this, but I actually think the price of a stand ticket for the Munster final on Saturday was actually the most expensive provincial final ticket in the country. There were €40 Euro for the covered stand on Saturday. Now, I've checked in Ulster, 35 checked in Connacht, 35 and Paul, you said that Leinster, yeah, Leinster was thirty-five. Was thirty-five. How are how are we justifying forty euro for a Munster final? I know I'm not even going to say a Munster final involving Kerry and Limerick because you can't, you know. Well, maybe you should, but you, you know they don't actually do their pricing on the basis of who's going to be in the final, you know. But at the same time, forty euro. We're a small crowd, wasn't there? Small fourteen thousand. Fourteen thousand. We, we have to talk about Galway before we move on to next weekend. And um, we have to talk about the fact that Galway are, there's a serious team developing there. Oshin, can they win the All-Ireland? Well, uh, Paul, the, the only reason why you would even consider them is because of, I think there's so many question marks about everybody else, <clears throat> um, all of the other teams. So, yeah, I think they, they have a realistic chance of... of uh, of certainly competing at, at at that level, I don't see. I don't think they're a million mile away, but probably will they win an All Ireland? Probably not. I don't. Th- I don't think so. But, um, but I do think that that two nineteen, you know, if they continue in that vein, you know, they're going to be difficult to beat. But it's the opposite end. It's just just a, a recurrent theme. Just two sixteen, you know, the league. You look at the league final. It's just. They just leak a, a hell of a lot of scores, and I suppose the only thing that would that would keep me thinking that there's a great opportunity for Galway in this championship uh, is that when I seen them play against Derry, they sort of got the mix almost right. I think they scored four ten, four eleven against <coughs> Derry that day, and only conceded uh, twelve points. And I thought the mix looked pretty good, but they haven't they don't seem to have been able to. To recreate that mix since, um, I just 
there's still question marks about them, but that was a that was a brilliant victory. I actually fancy Roscommon to win that game, to be honest. Uh, I haven't seen what I've seen in in uh, in the league in the Division Two League final, um, and how both teams matched up against each other. So I think it was a it was a brilliant win, and I think uh, Galway have made strides, and I think you know for Park Joyce that was a big monkey off his back, but. Can the win in all Ireland realistically? Probably not. Yeah, are you impressed, Brian? I was, I was. Uh, I, I look, I agree 100% with Oshin, to be honest with you. Um, if you look at the firepower they have up front, uh, it's all frightening. You see Shane Walsh, you know, he's just electric. What the man can't do, kick off left, kick off right, pace, unbelievable sidestep, and kick freeze with the left, with the right. You know, they have those key forwards. Like, I mean, Robert Ferranti yesterday kicked five points in play. Um, Comer kicked three points in play. Like, I mean, those fellas are a handful on any given day for any, no matter what who you're playing. But as O'Sheen said, they, they've conceded 2-16. Um, they conceded a hell of a lot against Common in the league final. Now, I think, obviously, the league final, I think, is where they learned their lesson. Common just ran through them. Um, they were trying to get this defensive system in, in, in place and it, it wasn't quite working for them and, and Roscommon ran through them. I think they learned their lessons in the Roscommon league final. They went away to Mayo and, and, and brought this system into play. And I, I suppose it's a bit like Rory Gallagher when it came to Patrick Joyce. Pressure was kind of mounting on Patrick. He hadn't won a, a kind of title. I think he had to do what he had to do to win it. And I think he had to kind of scrap his game plan of, of his attacking football and, and revert to a, a bit more of a defensive system. But I think he... As Oshin alluded to, he just hasn't got it quite right yet. Um, and I suppose that's the worry I have for them, is that if they come up against a proper team in, in the likes of of a Dublin or, or a, a Kerry, or you know, if they come up against even a Donegal side who have good forwards that they can, they can seriously hurt them and kick scores, I think they'll be found wanting. But look, they have a fantastic opportunity on the side of the draw they're coming in from. Um, and you know what? They could very easily find themselves inside the North Ireland final. Mm. And look, who knows? You know, inside the North Ireland final, I think everything goes out the window. Um, so you would have to say that they're, they are contenders. I mean, again, look, they're, they're going to avoid Kerry and Dublin if, if in the semi final route. They'll keep improving. You'd like to think they'll keep improving and they'll probably watch back on this game and realize that they've, how defensive they were. Like, I think there was a clip even on the Sunday game last night uh, where they showed. Galway could 15 men behind the ball, and we we're giving out here about Donegal and and and, um, and Derry, but I suppose it's it's how quick they transition and how quick they can get back up the field, and I think they really do have serious firepower on the, on the other side. I think that's the difference. If you're going to win in All Ireland, I think you need to have good forwards because at the end of the day, forwards win you games. And yeah. if you look at Dublin, like they have Conan and Costello and Kieran Kenny and and um, these fellas Kerry, David Clifford, Paul Ganey, you know, Paulie Clifford, Sean O'Shea, and Galway have that those forwards. And I just think that if they can get it right with the fire forwards they have, they're going they'll give any backs a handful. But I just think they just need to get that, that blend right. And I think if they get a few more games under the belt, they could find themselves in another the final and anything can happen. It depends largely, Paul, I think, on, on the mindset from here. You know, what 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 were the aspirations at the start of the year? And yeah. is there a is there you know is there intent, real intent now on going and trying to challenge for an all Ireland or, or is in the back of the mind or yes. are they happy enough with what they what they have? So I think 
the next couple of days as far as their mindset will determine a lot I I have a little bit of knowledge of uh, I, I would know John Dibley from time in UCD and I will tell you straight out the idea that those guys are happy with a provincial championship I, I just I just couldn't see it um, it's, and it's, it's the players it's the yeah players. but but but, Joy, but it, the tone will be set by Joyce and Dibley and there is no way like the, and the Galway mentality, the Galway will not be afraid of coming of coming coming up here. Well, then anything's possible. If that's the case. To to finish this week, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the four qualifier matches and the four Talton Cup matches in quick order. I'm just going to go around you match by match and and ask you who's who who you think would be winning. So we'll start with the qualifiers: Oshin Mayo versus Monaghan. Monaghan. Why is that? I think I just look at the matchups. I look at the injury list that Mayo have, and I think this is absolutely Monaghan territory all over. I just, I just think, as I say, the matchups. I don't think they'll be able to handle. I don't think Mayo will be able to handle McCarran and, and McManus. Uh, I think they'll McManus and McCarran will love the wide open spaces that Mayo will offer them, and they just have too much quality, I think. And and uh, and and Monaghan have a few guys that they. I haven't got a lot of game time that I would know from from uh, managing at, cl- at club level, and I think you know it would be interesting to see how those guys are thrown into the championship possibly next weekend. So I think uh, that's why I think Monaghan think it's just completely set up for them. Brian, uh, I probably go Rochi. I think Monaghan or that could well do it. I just think Mayo. I just probably lacking again a bit of firepower up front to, to beat them. I think Monaghan will set up very solid at the back and like that I think Mayo will just kind of struggle to, to, to kick to, to get scores so uh, like Oshin I think I'm going to go Monaghan Tony this is the Tony Buckley derby um, obviously he'll bring Monaghan uh, and he'll bring a lot of knowledge in terms of uh, what Mayo do uh, I'm going the other way uh, I know it's it's in Castlebar and that isn't the only thing um, I think Mayo will win I'm against her own machine Nervous? I suppose it was the, <clears throat> it was the one draw that that uh, I didn't want because I said that Tyrone could could come through the back door and and still win in All Ireland. <laughs> so now I'm stuck completely. Um, but yeah, look, I think uh, I'd say it'll be an unbelievable occasion. I think it's sold out already. Um, I think I think Armagh going to find it very difficult. Armagh have a few nasty injuries that they've picked up over the last couple of months one again even on Friday night now Grimley looks as if he's gone as well with a pretty serious injury and hopefully he's doing okay but um, I think Tyrone who did you say is gone Oshin? Niall Grimley oh Niall Grimley that's yeah. like Pravda are you uh, Are you? Is, is that a public service announcement on, on behalf of the Armad team <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think Tyrone might, might have the edge but I hope oh, I, I I don't want to turn into Kevin Keegan, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, are you are you are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I can't wait to I can't wait for it because I think two teams who are trying to um, get something, find something in their season, and uh, you know, like Armagh started the league so well. I don't think Tyrone have hit any sort of heights, but I think the five weeks that the teams have had will be uh, majorly beneficial. Well, you've you've kind of softened a lot though, because I see you now with Mickey Hart and Peter Canavan and that, and you're all great friends now. It's it's all the edge is gone, is it? 
My edge isn't gone. Theirs is. <laughs> really? Um, Brian, Armagh, Tyrone. I, to be honest, you know, I, I, it's going to come down to a toss of a coin. I, you know, I was looking at this this morning and thinking, who would you fancy? Uh, these kind of games, you know, it reminds me of Kerry Cork years ago, gone by in the, in the mid nineties when we we kept them up against each other, and someone said to me that. Kerry and Cork would go into a dark room, turn off the lights, and we'd still know what each other is doing. We still know each other that well. We know what what's the game plan is. We know what's going on. Yeah. And I, I have the same kind of just feeling with Darman and Tyrone. They're above there. They know each other so well. They know each other inside out. Um, and it's just one of those games, I think, that could go either way. But I'd probably just go for Tyrone from the fact that they're all Ireland champions. Um, Look, I think the the game against Derry they just didn't go right from under the day. I think they'll probably learn more from that than anything else. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Armagh did win it. But at the moment, if I put my hat on the line, I'd probably have to pick her own. Tony? Well, if Armagh were genuinely at full strength and they weren't missing, you know, all the players that O'Sheen says they're missing, uh, I'd give them an absolute great chance because... I, I do I do think that Tyrone are vulnerable. I could be misreading the situation completely there. Um, but on the basis of what O'Sheen is saying, I'm going for Tyrone. Loud against Cork, O'Sheen. Um, I'm going to go loud. Um, I think I've, I, I was impressed. I was impressed with lots of what Cork have done uh, and what they did last day. But um, I just think there's something about Louth. I, th- I think uh, they have exceptional forwards. They're very good in the middle and. There's definitely still a question mark on how they are defensively, even how they are set up, how quick they are to get players back. But I'm going to go loud to sneak it. Okay, Brian. Yeah, um, no, I'm kind of a firm believer that in these kind of games, I think momentum is massive, and I think the momentum that Lot have, have had this year um, might recede over the line. Uh, Cork, though, at home, blowing Parky Cueve. Um, Look, you'd, you'd, like, you'd be thinking the Cork at home should be able to take care of Loud, but I just kind of, like Oshin, I just think momentum that Loud have had this year, winning's a habit. I always say winning's a habit. Um, you know, the, part, the work that Mickey Hart has done inside there has, has been exceptionally good. Uh, they have a fantastic free taker as well, and I think they could come down to a freeze in the end. So I I think Loud might sneak this one. Tony? There'll be next to nobody at the game in Parky Cueve. Um Everybody is in Cork is still all over the hurling. Um, ironically, given the the debate we had over the last month about venues in Cork, I think this was a big mistake by the Cork County Board. I think they should have played this game in Parky Rain. Um, I think there's no upside to playing the game in Parky Cueve other than the Cork County Board coming up and saying, look, lads, Ed Sheeran is gone. We actually have our stadium back and we're going to play it there. I think it's short-sighted. I think if Cork played in Parky Arena again, I'd actually fancy them to win it. They actually could save their season, Paul, by winning just one game. That just, by the way, shows that's some indictment to Cork football for me to say that their season could be saved by beating Louth at home. But that's where they're at right now. I think if the game was in Parky Arena, I'd fancy Cork 100%. I think when it's in Parky Cueve, I'd give Louth a big shout. Great shout. I think I could totally agree with the fact that they should have they should have doubled down on Parky Run again. Yeah. It's funny enough if Cork Cork or Loud could end up with, for example, Limerick 
in a in 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 the next round with a chance to get to an All Ireland quarter final. That's that's not a bad prize um, in all that. And Limerick, of course, would look at it equally, saying, "Well, I wouldn't mind either Lowther, Cork, or Oshin. They wouldn't mind the winners of Clare and and Mead in the in the next round either. Who win that match? Uh, I just think Clare. Uh, two things: they're at home, and I think the other thing is to be smart and from the fact that when not a lot of people would have I actually listened to the game uh, on Clare FM the game with uh, with uh, Clare and Limerick and um, they'd be hugely disappointed and I think they are a team that can rally the troops and I think the fact that they're at home uh, me feel to me like a team and I could be completely wrong feel like a team that are begging for the season to end almost but um, yeah I think I'll just go Clare just to edge it Brian um, yeah, I'm going to look Claire as well. I think Claire back in Innesley, they're a hard outfit back there, whatever it is. Um, every time we've gone back there over the last couple of years, you know, you, they'll give you a game. Now, I know their, 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 their leader um, in Gary Brennan has, has now stepped down and he was, you know, he carried a fight every time that you played Claire and, and he's, a, he's a massive loss to them. But I still think Claire at home, they just seem to put in a big, a big game back there. They're just hard to beat at home and meet, I just think, you just they're so inconsistent, you know what they're at. I think it depends on what need throw up, but um as as Oshin says there, like I mean I think they're they're kind of themselves know that they're waiting for the season to come to an end. It's only a matter of when. Um but I just think they're too inconsistent. You don't know what meat is gonna show up next weekend. So for that reason I think I'll go with Claire. Tony. I funny enough, lads, I actually think this is the booby prize uh, game. People are talking about Cork Reload. I actually think anybody who's in the next phase would be looking for the winner of this game. Um, I think Clare are running out of petrol uh, at this stage. I think Colin Collins has done an unbelievable job over a long period of time. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried that Clare are beginning to look a little bit stale. Um, Mead are up and down all over the shop. But they did beat Clare 10-9 in the league game down in Ennis uh, this year. I'll go against the grain here. I actually think Meath will win this game. Okay, so the last four games we look at are from the Talton Cup semi or quarterfinals. Oshin Leitrim against Sligo. Um, I actually thought Leitrim were were uh, were very impressive at the weekend. Sligo. You know, struggle with London. Um, Leitrim by two. Brian? Yeah, I suppose, look, when you, when you see that's the difficulty Sligo had in, in, beating, in beating London. Um, the fact London missed the penalty as well, I think, an extra time that you know, could have stopped that game as well. Um, and again, I suppose you look back and, and we speak about the impact of, of a manager coming into a setup and, and, and adding a bit of professionalism to the, to the whole thing and how Mickey Hart did it with Loud, Rory Gallagher's done it with Derry. And I think the fact that the Leitrim has seemed to bought in with Andy Moore and coming into them. Um, and I suppose, you know, beating Antrim as well at the weekend will only put another feather in their cap and then put a pep in their steps. So I, I think that um, Leitrim will, will win this one. There's a, yeah, there's a lovely little Andy Moore and the Tony McEntee thing uh, going on here. Um, funny enough, I think it was important psychologically that Sligo did get over London the weekend. Um, I think they'll be the better for that. I think everybody's expecting um, Leitrim to bounce on again. Um, I don't know the politics of Connacht, that side of Connacht football as well, 
but I don't think Sligo have any anxiety at all about facing Leitrim. Remind me on Sligo. Yeah, for man against Cavan Oshin. Um, Cavan, they're the best team in this. Uh, they're the best structured, the best coached. Um, uh, they're the best players. Uh, I think I think they'll they'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get a tight against Fermanagh for a while, but uh, I just think that if Cavan really want to win this and to put their heads down, then then they'll win it. So their reaction scenes have been great, um, impressive at the weekend. Probably could have won that game a lot easier than they actually. They won it so easy, but they could have won it even easier. But uh, Cavan to win that, uh, right. four or five points. Just repeat everything Austin said. Yeah, Cavan. Everything he said. And, and uh, that's a hat trick for me on Cavan. Fine. Carlo against Westmead, Oshin. Uh, Westmead, um, brilliant win for Carlo the weekend. Can't underestimate Gay's, you know, Carlo's win at the weekend. Um, huge, considering the league they had. Um, Beaten you know, by 11 points by tip in the league. Beaten by 11 points, hammering the championship and, and like, you know, to, to fight back and come back and, and win that game is huge for them. So, I mean, there'll they'll be, they'll be a bit of pep in their step, but... A, I actually think Westmead uh, forward division is is top notch. I, I know they they have deficiencies. I, I do know that, but uh, Westmead, yeah, Westmead to to win comfortably. Brian, yeah, same as I just think Westmead have too much. Look, probably Carlo. You didn't expect them to be Tipperary. I think that's more of an indictment of how bad Tip are. Um, I heard a fella talking about Tipperary losing to Limerick in the in the Munster Championship, and he was saying that. It was Tip's worst performance all year, and that Tip should have beaten Limerick. Um, but then I uh, kind of turn around and you see get beaten by Carlo, kind of puts into perspective where Tip probably are at the moment. Um, but look, I think Westmead are way too strong for them. And look, I think if, if the draw goes the way it goes, uh, you know, if you Westmead Kevin, I think that would be fantastic fine if they could get this. Yeah, we, we, we don't want that to happen, Brian. Let's be clear about that. Uh, Tony? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought you'd, I thought you'd add that little addendum all right to the end of it. Um, I think actually Westmead did well to get out of Port Leash. Um, you know, they lost a player early, um, certainly in the first quarter. Um, you know, it was last throw of the dice for Billy Sheehan in Leash. Um, yeah, I think Westmead, Offley, and Cavan, um, are the best three sides in this tournament. So you don't even have to come to me for the last one and giving Offley to beat New York. I think the final will be either Westmead, uh, Cavan, or Offaly, two of those three teams in the final. Oshin, the two great civilizations of the world clash in this last game, Offaly against New York. <laughs> um, you must be so divided on, on this game, considering, <laughs> considering how much time you spend professoring or whatever you do in, in New York. Um, Offaly will win that game, and, and there's two things about about this is awfully have bought into it and it seemed to have bought into the Italian Cup in a big way, which is which is great. And I think New York just by the lack of proper preparation um, and you know matches and and uh, yeah, that's that's the thing that really comes back and bites them and hurts them because uh, I think they have some uh, yeah. very very good very very good players and I think we've even seen that against uh, Sligo this year. But I think awfully should win that comfortably. Brian? Yeah, similar. I think that, uh, as Oshin said there, I think it's a big thing that, that Offaly have bought into this. Um, and I think it's, uh, we even see, I think a lot of the players are they're bloody 
is the, is the young fellas that have been successful at the Leinster's in, in the Leinster under 20 championship and things like that. So they seem to be building, which is, which is good. I think it's nice to see those fellas getting their opportunity now, and that's only going to do awfully good. But look, I think awfully way too much for, for New York. I think New York are only fulfilling the fixture here. I agree with your point, by the way, that um, I do think Cavan and Westmead look like the two strongest teams in that competition so far. So the draw, which will be made after next weekend, is is really interesting. It's going to open a door to somebody. It's an open draw, the whole northern section, southern section, which should never have been never been set out like that. Yeah. But that is abandoned after the quarterfinal stage. And it's, I wouldn't discount genuinely, Paul. I, would, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I, I wouldn't discount awfully at all. I wouldn't discount awfully. In, in oh, I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Uh, I, I think, either I think I'd, I'd add awfully into that equation as well. Kevin Westmead, awfully. Big time. The McNamee's yeah. back eight points yesterday, eight of the 18 from the two lads. That was the big miss, Paul, and you well know it in the championship game against Wexford. I think I think it's a toss of a coin between those three sides to actually win this out. Yeah, I agree. Um, Rory McNamee is a most, most underrated footballer. He's an excellent footballer. And Niall McNamee, uh, it's basically 19 years of senior inter-county football. He is in outstanding shape and he is playing brilliantly at, at full forward. Um, and he's, he's a threat threat to any team. One other, show, one other show, one other show, pushing. Sorry, just to finish on uh, Paul, and I'd like your tuppence worth on this. Um, Tomas O'Shea's influence in Offaly. I hear that the players love him. I'm also hearing, and Brian will know this better than me, that Declan O'Sullivan won't continue uh, as the Kerry under 20 manager next season. What a shout it would be for Kerry to go after Tomas for the under 20 job. Uh, well, so I'll go to the first part of that first. Yeah, Tomas O'Shea, for every single one of the players who I've spoken to, have huge respect for him. They really admire him. He's totally bought in. He's brought a huge amount to a very young group of players who are developing and finding their way. He's hugely respected. And in fairness, why wouldn't he be? If if you've achieved what he's achieved and you enter a room and from from what I've from everyone I've spoken to talks about the absolute humility which he walks in with, how he he has brought brought a lot to it, but has not tried, like has, has got into it, into the nitty gritty of stuff as well as everything else. As for Tomas O'Shea um, becoming the Kerry under 20 manager, I'm sure that's a hugely solid position and that there are a lot of people in uh, Kerry who will be angling for that job. And I think Tomas is probably very happy where he is um, at the moment. And I wouldn't say he'll be leaving Offaly for, for that job. Um, I think we'll finish on that. And I'll say thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, um, and to everyone at Examiner Sport for, for all their help, to Trevor Kelly for his help during the week, to Renault for their support. A huge thanks to Ushin McConville, and especially to Brian Sheehan and to Tony Lean for joining us today. Thanks to our sponsors, Renault.
the Renault Capture, the versatile compact family SUV.